This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Good morning, everyone. So we're finishing off today with the last part of the series, as Gareth said, and it's called I'm Invaluable. And I'm trusting that by the end of this morning, you will realize how significant you are, how invaluable you are, and what you have to give, what you have to contribute. And so I want to start with just having a look at our two daughters, Abigail and Kaylin. And we can, they're going to put them up on the screen. And now, I don't know if any of you have kids that compare, um, compare themselves with one another, but if, there we go. So over here, you can see Abigail. So this is Abigail at 6 o'clock last week, Saturday morning. She's baking her cake for her birthday. She arranged her whole party. I gave her a budget. She organized everything. She baked her own cake. She organized her party stuff. She organized games for all the kids. She just organized this party. And then we have our second daughter, Kaylin, at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, still fast asleep. <laughs> And how many of you know what it's like to grow up in a home or find yourself in a place where you've got the Abigail, who's your type A personality, that's ticking all those boxes, that's telling everybody what to do, and then you get the, the Kaylin, who's your artistic, creative, relaxed child, and you start to compare, right? And as a parent, you, you'll agree with me that we love our girls uniquely. We love them uniquely. They are so different, and they contribute in different ways. I mean, just this morning, Kaylin came. She gave me a hug. She told me how much she loves me and how amazing I am. She's always encouraging me. While I heard Abigail drilling her dog, telling her dog to sit and be ready and sorting out the dog so that it's sorted. And so, When we come to the subject of being invaluable, what I want us to do is I want us to look at how we as individuals can add value. Because sometimes when you're in a room full of extroverts and you're an introvert, you could feel, oh my gosh, but I'm not not that person. Or an extrovert can feel like they're too much. They're they're just, and they're going, oh, I can't control this, this urge to boss people around or But the truth is, both of them are so valuable and irreplaceable. We absolutely love them both. And when we look at this word invaluable, the word invaluable means valuable beyond estimation. The word describes something so precious that one cannot assign a price to it. And do you know that what makes us invaluable is that the fact that the highest price has already been paid for you. God's blood was that price. Jesus laid down his life and paid for you with the highest price. And that was his life. A life that was completely pure, completely holy. He was a sinless sacrifice, no sin, and yet he chose to die in your place. So the highest price has already been paid. Nobody can pay a highest price for you. The price has been paid, and that's what makes you irreplaceable. That's what makes you invaluable. You cannot be replaced. 
So, as I go through this morning, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a whole lot of C's, okay? Curly K C's, not C's like what we see, okay? For those, okay, I do, I do teach little kids sometimes, but C, like curly K. And what I wanna start with is, I want us to look at this piece of artwork over here. A friend of mine, Tracy, painted this, and on the screen, they're gonna show a picture of the same painting. She, she, gave, she blessed me with a calendar of all the paintings she's made. But if I have to look at this picture of the same painting, if I have to touch it compared to touching this, or if I have to look at this, it kind of doesn't draw me in. But when I look at this, I can feel Tracy. I can see Tracy. Something of what she was going through when she painted this, this beautiful work of art. Something that she was feeling. It's so much more valuable, this original piece of art, than just a picture of it or just a photocopy of it. And do you know that when God created you, he touched you. You're not just a picture. You're not just a copy of someone else. He fashioned you. He breathed his breath into you. And, and that is how, when God, he says in Psalm 139, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book, were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. Then, as yet, there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts, O God! How vast the sum of them! If I could count them, they would be more than the sand. I awake, and I'm still with you. So the first C is the fact that you are created by God. You are created by God. And not just created as in, poof, there you are. <laughs> No, fashioned, knit together, specifically created, uniquely created. Your personality, the way you look, the way you sound, your voice, every single detail, every single cell in that body has been touched by the fingerprints of God himself. So you are created by God. The next C is that you are called and you are chosen by God. God not only created you, he has called you and he has chosen you. In Isaiah 43, 1, it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Hear him calling your name. John I'm calling you by name. Sandra, I'm calling you by name. Lebochang, I'm calling you by name. What is, what is your name? And the Lord is saying to you this morning, I have called you by name. And hear him calling that name that your parents gave you. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 to 10 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. But he, so he has chosen you and he has called you by name, your own specific name. The Lord is calling you and then, and then he's chosen you. So he's created you, he's chosen you, and he has called you. And now what we're going to do is we're going to look at how do we fit into something bigger than ourselves? How do we fit into this concept of the body of Christ? And we see that in 1 Corinthians 12. And so I'm going to read from a, a, a portion of it, and then I'm going to explain a little bit from that. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, now if the foot, maybe some of you feel like a foot, I don't know. I love my feet, so I don't mind. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So we all form parts of this body. And as Ben shared this morning, we are preparing the bride, preparing yourself for the return of Christ, preparing your kids for the return of Christ, discipling others, preparing them for the return of Christ, preparing the bride because Jesus is coming back for a pure and spotless bride without blemish. So we are preparing parts of what we're a part of. And there's two things we need to be careful of when we look into the scripture. We see that we need to be careful of comparison and we need to be careful of competition. Comparison and competition. It says there, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Sometimes you're like, uh, I'm just a hand. I don't know if I belong. And that has come through this whole week. Various people have spoken to me about the fact that they felt like they don't belong. So the enemy has been lying this whole week, making people feel like they don't belong. And I'm here this morning to tell you that you belong. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And I want to ask you, what are the lies that you are believing about yourself? Lies, because what the enemy does, and I see it with my kids, there are two lies that my two daughters face. Abigail, she faces rejection. Because she's called to lead, she's called to influence, and I often have to remind her, my girl, the enemy's target on your back is he wants you to feel rejection. And she needs to be aware of that lie. She feels like she doesn't belong because the enemy wants her to be isolated. He doesn't want her to influence others. The enemy on Kaylin's life is fear. Because she is called to bring in the presence of God and to usher in God's presence. She's my, that perfect love that casts out fear. She's the child that just oozes love and compassion and kindness. If, our, if her niece or nephew who are little, if they are crying, Kaylin's the first one that is there to make sure that they're okay. So the enemy comes to her with fear. 
because she's aware of the spirit realm. She's aware of things that are happening. And I need to tell her, my girl, remember, this is the, the enemy's plan, is to make you have fear so that you won't bring in God's love that casts out fear. So what is the lie that the enemy's been telling you from when you were little? Because what happens is he plants this little seed, and then he just keeps on different circumstances happening, happen throughout your life. You're not good enough. You're useless. Somebody will make a random comment, and it'll just cut into that lie. And the Lord wants to set you free this morning. The Lord wants to remove those lies, and he wants to bring his truth and say, this is what I say about you. You are called by my, I've called you by name. You are created in my image. I have chosen you. I have redeemed you. I have great things in store for you. And he wants to show us what the lies are that we are believing. For me, being a pastor's wife has been exceptionally difficult because when I'm surrounded by other pastor's wives, they can play the piano, they can sing beautifully, they're soft and gentle and don't say much, they keep quiet in meetings, they don't argue with their husbands and tell, <laughs> they're just these perfect people. And I really struggled with this concept of being a pastor's wife, because all these expectations get put on you, and you're supposed to be doing this, and you're supposed to be doing that, and I don't even remember to buy tea for my own household sometimes, never mind for a whole church. So all these expectations were placed on me, and I had to go through a journey where I realized, you know what? When I search the scriptures, I don't see any scripture that speaks about a pastor's wife. I see God speaking to wives, so I'm called to be what Gareth needs. I'm called to be what my children need. And then I'm called to be what, what I'm called to be in the, in the body, to use my gifts within the body, the, 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 the ability to lead or to influence and, and to do what, what God has called me in submission to the eldership team, always in submission to my husband and to what he, what, what he has said is okay. Hey, I'm always submissive, so. <laughs> the one thing. <laughs> so let's go back to Abigail and Kaylin. Attention of me for a bit. And the other morning, Kaylin walks into the house, and Gareth is practicing his, um, what do you call it, rudiments. And Kaylin walks in, and she says, Daddy, Abigail says that everybody needs to help with the household chores. And Gareth says to her, she's right, my girl, go and help her. And she says, she's talking about you, Dad. <laughs> and little do they realize what Gareth actually does. <laughs> because he's up early, he does more than most husbands, I can promise you that. He's like, he often has to help Things from burn, stop things from burning on the stove. And <laughs> Ainsley, are you cooking this? Ainsley, why, did you, do you know that there's stuff on the stove? Oh, sure, but he's often saving our households, making sure that we're all fine, <laughs> keeping the calm. And my girls, are, when I, they ask me a question, I give them an answer and they say, I think we should ask Daddy. 
So Galatians 6 verse 4 to 5 says, Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. For the, so the first C is comparison. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves with one another, right? The second C is competition. And I remember I was, called, I was asked to preach with another pastor's wife um, in our city. And man, I just was like, oh my gosh, I cannot step. This person is so perfect. And how am I going to, how is this going to happen? And and as I was praying, the Lord showed me this vision of me climbing this ladder. And I was climbing this ladder and climbing this ladder, and I would look around, and I would so, see all these other Christians climbing these ladders. And so that one would climb a little bit higher, so I would climb a little bit higher. And then I would look, oh my gosh, they've climbed higher now, so I've got to climb higher. And I'm just climbing and climbing and climbing. And I felt the Lord say to me, let go of the ladder. Let go of the ladder. And I let go, and I fell flat on my face. But Jesus was right there. I was lying at his feet. And as I lay there, he showed me that there was light that was coming out, his light, himself. And people were drawn to him, not drawn to me, drawn to Jesus, attracted to Jesus. As I just lay down in surrender, not comparing, not competing, so competition is a dangerous thing, and our school system encourages it. We grow up in, in schools where we encourage to compete and to be top of the class. And, and, but you know that at school, they only test like three or four of the nine intelligences. When I taught maths, I was a maths teacher, and um, I used to tell my, my kids when they came into my class, I used to say to them, well, some of you have very good interpersonal intelligence. What that means is you can't stop talking to one another. And maybe you struggle with maths. In my class, let's, leave, let's stop with the interpersonal intelligence, but let's focus on maths, but also remember that your interpersonal intelligence will get you very far in life. If you can't if you struggle with maths, it's okay, because there are other things that you will be able to do. And unfortunately, our school system places certain subjects up there, and that's what determines intelligence. But actually, even interpersonal intelligence, having understanding yourself, you know, you get people like that, like, like these people, that just say things that you have. Wow, that's so wise. <laughs> Thank you. Like my husband, he just knows stuff all the time. So competition. So those are the two things we've got to avoid. We've got to avoid comparison. We've got to avoid competition. Then what do we need? So in our preacher's meeting, they told me I've got too many C's. I must cut out some C's. So I decided to make double headings with all my C's. The first one is cohesive contribution. The second one is considerate connection. And the third one is complementary celebration. So they're there. <laughs> and we're going to carry on with 1 Corinthians 12. So we read the first part of 1 Corinthians 12. Now we're going from verse 21. So from verse 21, it says, 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Some of you are indispensable, huh? And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. How you, plural, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So the first double C, <laughs> cohesive contribution. So for the leaders on, um, you saw, we did a wrap, okay, on Tuesday evening. And what happened was, is I decided to write this wrap, and I thought it was amazing. I was like, this is such a cool thing, and I wrote it, and we're going to do it, and I got the young adults and the, the youth together, and, and so then I got this message. Well, first of all, I, I checked on my phone, and there was message deleted, message deleted. You know when you get those, you're like, hmm, what's going on here? <laughs> Somebody deletes, I'm always worried about deleted messages. So I sent this young man a message, and I say, listen, if you cannot make it, it's okay, we, you, we'll figure it something out. You can learn your part, and you can be there. Then I get this voice note. Hello, Auntie Ainsley. I'm so sorry. I don't want to be disrespectful, but I rewrote your rap. I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, okay, can you send it to me? Let me have a look. So I check this rap, and I'm like, mm, I still prefer mine, but it's okay. We'll figure out a way to not let his feelings be too hurt. And so we get everyone together, and I saw, no, he's not here yet. So let me quickly show them the two raps so that we can decide. And then I'll just say, I think everybody chose his rap. <laughs> and that's what cohesive contribution is about. It's about being secure, bringing our part and somebody else coming and saying, hmm, I, I, can I add to that? Can I make that better? Can I change that a bit? And us feeling secure and being wow, okay, this is cohesive contribution. You're bringing your part, I'm bringing my part, we're working things out, and we're laying down our pride. <laughs> and so in 1 Corinthians 12, a little bit before the whole thing about the body, right? In verse 7, it says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So that we can help each other. And so if one part of the body is asleep, if you're not playing your part, the rest of the body has to work so much harder. I remember when I had that big cut on my heel. Some of you remember it. This leg had to work so much harder. My arms, everything had to work so much harder because I had a huge wound. So that's why every single part of the body is needed. We need every one of you to be part of what God is wanting. Otherwise, the others are running around. And in most churches, 20% of the church carries the load. And we want to shift that. 
We want to be a church where at least 80%, if not 100% of the church carries the load, not just to make it fair, but because we don't want to miss out. We don't want to miss out on your contribution. We don't want to miss out on what God's placed inside of you. We don't want to miss out on you. We, we need you to come and flourish and bring your gift. Rewrite those raps that I've written and just bring your part. Spell check the worship songs. I don't know if any of you, when you see a spelling mistake, you're like, oh my gosh, that's spelling. That, can we get some good English or like, those people come. Help us to edit stuff. So if one part is not doing their part, the rest have to work so much harder. And they don't just have to work harder, they don't work as well because they cannot be you. They cannot contribute what you need to contribute. So the next double C is considerate connection. 1 Corinthians 12, 25b and 26. Its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. We've had, when we've had leaders in our church that are going through tough times, we feel it, man. When people in the body are going through hard times, the rest of the body feels it. Philippians 4 verse 5, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. So I could have just come and said, no, I'm not even going to read your thing that you wrote. We're going doing my thing because I heard from God and this is a download from heaven and so it's done. No. <laughs> Just about every you, the word you in the Bible is a plural you. It's speaking to a congregation. It's speaking to even you have the mind of Christ. I don't have the mind of Christ on my own. In plurality, that word you is a plural you. Together we have the mind of Christ where we can help one another, where we can encourage one another. Where I mean, for Gareth, you know how many messages I have not been able to send because he's like, you can't send that. I, I actually made an Ainsley rant WhatsApp group and I type all my messages on my rant group and I send them to myself <laughs> because they're not always, they, they're illogical and emotional and all of that and not helpful and that's why we need one another. We need each other. Romans 12 verse 10, be devoted to one another and honor one another above yourselves. Mark, who used to lead this church, would always say, honor is what? Honor is? Celebrating someone else, what they are, without stumbling over what they are not. So I celebrate what Ursh is when she dances and brings something to the worship without stumbling over what she's not. Okay, so we need to celebrate what, what, what the other person is without stumbling over what they are not. And sometimes to cover one another, when I'm forgetting to do something, not going, oh my gosh, Ainsley always forgets to do this. It's like, no, the whole family will switch the oven off together. <laughs> Complimentary celebration, verse 27. Now you are the body and each one of you is a part of it. We call to be a supernatural team. And you know that God at his core is a team. At his core, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus says that I will do nothing unless I see the Father doing it. So even Jesus himself, God himself, did nothing out of team, outside of team, sorry. So who do we think we are when we're like, well, I'm the man of power for the hour. I heard God. I'm doing this. No, it doesn't work like that. We're part of a team. We're part of something supernatural. So it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then he invites us in to be part of that team. He says, you know what? I'm going to place my Holy Spirit inside of you, and you are going to be part of the Godhead. You're going to be part of Father, Son, Holy Spirit in us, and we become part of of this beautiful dance that takes place. We're part of what God is doing. We're hearing God, but we're also asking one another, I feel like God's telling me to do this and this. And the other person can be like, well, that's not in the Bible, so mm, I don't know. We help one another. So we call to be part of this supernatural team. It cannot be done in our own flesh. It cannot be done without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be asking God, Lord, I need you. I need to be empowered by you. I cannot get along with this person that is so different to me. Then the Lord says, yeah, but you need that person. You need them. Where you are weak, that person has strength that can complement you. It often happens with husbands and wives, hey? I often say to Gareth, yo, if I was married to that man, I'd kill him. And he's like, I'm like, wow, that, that wife is so gracious. God made sure. God made sure. Even we designed to grind, right, in marriage. Designed to grind, to help us to be sanctified. The sanctification of marriage helps us to become more like Jesus. We die to ourselves and we, we help each other. Romans 12.10, again, just to honor one another. Just, I just wanted to touch a little bit again on our eldership team, and particularly our elders' wives. And I love how Nadine, for example, always has these strategic things. We will come with this idea, and she will come and be, God, what about this? And it will be this whole strategic plan where we're like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. And then we've got Chantal, who's bringing faith, She's just got this faith where it's like, no, God's going to do it. God's going to help us. And then we've got Marie saying, of uh, Cherie saying, guys, we need to pray about it, right? We need to be hearing God. We need to be discerning what the Lord is wanting us to do. We can't just run ahead of ourselves and let's hear God. Let's pray. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us. We need one another. And when there's people that I'm like, oh, I don't know how to help this person, I send them <laughs> to others that have grace and that can love and have, have, have um, just compassionate and can journey. So where I'm weak, my weaknesses, I've learned to not feel, oh my gosh, I need to work on my weaknesses. No, I need to surround myself with others that have strengths, that have strengths that can come and help me. I, we need one another. So what I want us to, to end with, just this scripture in Hebrews 10, it's not up, um, and it says from verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more 
as you see the day approaching. So God is speaking this morning. I just added the scripture this morning quickly. Ben spoke about we need to prepare for the return of Christ. This scripture says we see the day approaching. We need to be encouraging one another. We need to not neglect meeting together. It needs to be a habit. We need to prioritize meeting together. Let's spur one another on. And what I want us to do now is I just want to take a moment for us to pray. And I I just wrote something that kind of ties everything together. And as we pray, I want you to hear what I feel the Lord is saying. Thank you, Jesus, for the fact that you've created us, that you've knit us together specifically the way you wanted us to be. And I ask, Jesus, that you would help us to see what what you want us to see, even in ourselves, Lord. Called out of darkness and into the light, created to shine Christ who's marvelously bright, you are his church, you're his hands and feet, You're called to complete and not to compete. Beware of complacency. Don't criticize. Celebrate one another. The brother beside is created by God, whom we should not despise. The image of him is the one alongside. He could be Christ's hands, his feet, or his mouth. We need to every part of his body to fight. The good fight of faith as each one runs his race. Remember, one day we'll see Christ face to face. He'll tell us, well done, good and faithful, you've won the prize of Christ's fullness, the glorious one. Complimentary celebration, cohesive contribution, considerate connection. In his church, we are protected from the world and all the sin that is crouching at the door. When we get tired and weary, on eagles' wings we'll soar, far above the things that pull us down. Lives laid down to win a crown. Let's worship God and let's ask him to give us a revelation of what he wants us to give and be a part of and also a revelation of how he sees us. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.